0: Integument in wound is the area of healthcare with the worst outcome measures. And yet, when you look at the expenditures, massive expenditures, the United States spends up upwards of $80 billion a year on wounds. And most of that, I can, I can submit to you, is in vain. Most of it is just silly dressings that do nothing. Yeah. The underlying pathophysiology. Whereas what I'm working on actually addresses underlying pathophysiology. And that's what's super exciting about what I'm doing is I'm addressing, you know, the, the root cause. I'm not just plopping on useless cosmetic dressings.
1: You're listening to Cannabis Voices. People's stories in their own words about the healing power of the cannabis plant. exciting things about current research into cannabinoid-based medicines are there seemingly endless applications for every kind of human malaise that currently doesn't respond to standard treatments or medications. And today we're going to listen to Dr. Vincent Maida, who um, specialises in palliative care, but in particular the treatment of wounds talk about the, frankly, mind-blowing research he's been doing using his own blend of cannabinoids, terpenes and flavonoids in the treatment of leg ulcers. Um, For anyone who doesn't know anything about leg ulcers, most of us don't if we're below the age of 60, they're incredibly hard to treat um, and they, frankly, refuse to heal. So um, the fact that he's finding... uh, Tremendous success in the worst cases um, that he's seen uh, really gives a lot of hope to many many patients out there.
0: I've been a physician for you know several decades, and uh, my kind of vast experience with healthcare from from A to Z because I've I've had a, a very um, broad experience in my medical career uh, and every everything from you know emergency medicine to to uh, uh, long-term care and palliative care and so on. And, and when, I, when I reflect on my career and my experiences, um, I realize that the one area of healthcare that has the worst outcome measures, because really the most important thing in healthcare is to, to achieve outcomes, positive outcomes for the patient, for the healthcare system, et cetera. And that domain, that sector of healthcare that has the worst outcome measures of everything, under the sun, notwithstanding COVID, let's put COVID aside because that's put a, a bit of a, a wrench in, in, in everything. But with with that aside, wound management is is the area of greatest unmet need, the uh, area of healthcare that has the worst outcome measures yet um, incredible expenditures. Being forwarded towards wound management, so there's really no value. We're we're not achieving value for our, our healthcare dollars in terms of wound care, uh, wound management, actually. And 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 I really and I've, I I really have always felt very uh, passionate about trying to improve this unsatisfactory status quo.
1: So when and, you talk about wound wound management, um, are we talking just about the kind of slow healing type wounds, um, such as ulcers, or, or wounds in, in general?
0: Okay, so that's a good question. And and the way we need to look at wounds is um, kind of in a binary way. There's acute wounds and there's chronic wounds. Acute wounds are things like burns and cuts and even post-operative wounds, traumatic wounds, war wounds, etc. And if you're healthy and young and there's no associated complications, the body is usually able to heal an acute wound on its own. But as we get older and more complex with our medical issues, et cetera, our probability of healing is reduced. Um, so, um, you know, so, and, and, and also there's different pathophysiology between acute wounds and chronic wounds. So, so that the, the, the closure and healing of wounds is one aspect, but the other aspect is the, the suffering aspect that, um, that wounds produce In, incredible pain, um, uh, you know, exudation, uh, social isolation, uh, loss of functionality, loss of employment, etc. There's so many other ripple effects that occur when a person has a wound. And um, and the approach that has been taken over the last, you know, several decades it, it is, a, is a paradigm that I've long been critical of, and it's, it's called the wound bed preparation paradigm. And it's guided global wound management for over 25 years, and yet there's been no level one A evidence um, recommendations that has emerged from using this paradigm on a worldwide basis. So what does that tell us? That tells us the paradigm is flawed and needs to be put aside, and 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 a fresh new paradigm with a new way of thinking about wounds needs to be um, introduced and and followed. And and that's where it gets exciting because we now know that the endocannabinoid system is so so ever-present in our bodies from head to toe Uh, it's the most uh, significant chemical signaling system from a homeostatic standpoint in in our bodies and not only is it um, represented and expressed on on the surfaces of cells extracellularly but recent research is showing just how influential they are at an intracellular level which opens up this new specter of um Uh, of the ability to you know modulate genes aka epigenetic mechanisms etc the the number of research papers that are showing incredible other uh, other opportunities such as uh, stimulation of dormant stem cells within basement membranes within wounds is is stunning and exciting so you know this is an area that um, this is a uh, an area of science that is going to continue to grow and, and it's gonna to continue to validate what I've been finding for, for years, namely that, that cannabis-based medicines, and when I say cannabis-based medicines, I mean many of the different um, chem- um, molecular families to be found in the cannabis plant are influential in, um, in, in potentially healing wounds, relieving wound-related pain, and also modulating integumentary diseases. And, and I'll just um, digress a little bit by explaining what I mean by t- integument. I think it's important to use that word integument because it's more of an overarching uh, term. Integument means our outside skin, our outside integument, uh, the cutaneous membranes, but also our in, our um, our internal integument, which is the mucous membranes. What lines our mouth? What lines our nose? What lines our genitals? Even the surface of our eye is a mucous membrane. So... So it's important to note that an in, in integument is is not only our outer coverings but our inner coverings as well. And and, and endocannabinoid um, signaling occurs everywhere, inside and outside uh, integument. So um, huge opportunity. Um, yeah. It sounds
1: interesting because when you were talking about the comparison, how we in modern medicine, we're, well, the body, in fact, the body itself can you know heal acute um wounds quite easily but you know also um you know i think if you go to your doctor or your district nurse whatever they're quite good with with uh, acute anything that's acute or the or the you know emergency room we're we're okay with acute medicine yeah. but it's then it's managing long term chronic illness that we you know it, we, we're not sort of fit for purpose really of the paradigm that we use as you know you're describing it's got it's flawed and it's interesting that the kind of the big knowledge gap in how we treat patients on a long-term basis, or in general, in general, in medicine, is is the endocannabinoid system. You know, it's it's and, and how possibly the dysregulation, helping to re-correct that that dysregulation, and um, to help the body, you know, get back into homeostasis again. I mean, that that's kind of in a long-term illness. Clearly, the body has fallen out of homeostasis. It's very simplistic. <laughs> Um, yes. You know, an kind of explanation,
0: but um, well, that's uh, that's well stated. In fact, and, and the whole COVID pandemic has um, um, added uh, more sp- more height, more sp- put uh, the whole uh, issue of of chronic wounds on the spotlight because there's a similar pathophysiology between what happens in COVID nineteen patients who who develop complications like respiratory failure and what happens in a chronic wound. The term that's being used is the inflammasome. So the inflammasome is, um, is, is, is that state of hyperinflammation which occurs in certain and uh, many uh, COVID-19 victims and, and also what happens in a chronic wound. There's this excessive state of inflammation. And, and as a result, a chronic a wound is not able to, to progress down the normal cascade because it gets stuck in this inflammatory inflammasome type setting. Uh, that it cannot move beyond, um, and then it leads to you know further complications, extension of the wound, intolerable and intractable wound pain, etc. Let's,
1: so, let's yeah, let's just kind of. Uh, I know you're about to sort of go. I know cannabinoids obviously are anti-inflammatory. That that's kind of, I, know, I imagine, one of the mechanisms of action potentially that yes. that probably have led to the amazing outcomes that you've seen with the with the you know the cannabis-based medicine that you've been you know you've been um, testing and researching and, and doing studies on. But just before we start, because, you know, as a for me, uh, recently, it's kind of leg ulcers uh, have come onto my radar, as I sort of mentioned before we started our conversation, my brother's been having leg ulcers. Um, and, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. And I think, you know, if you, if, if you were, unless you were at a stage when maybe a loved one, a grandparent, a parent has got them, it's just something completely not on our radar. We have no conception, most of us, what the hell a leg ulcer is so so can you just explain you know what causes leg ulcers how you know they they can be so debilitating that and the impact on a patient's quality of life independence etc
0: sure so so first of all leg ulcers happen to be um the commonest lower limb um, ulceration in the world and um and most of the time, you know, the, these things are out of sight, out of mind, because people are generally clothed. You know, they, they're wearing socks, they're wearing pants or, or whatever, whatever they're wearing. So they're out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, people are, are uh, living with these wounds and, and the rest of the world or the rest of their, you know, immediate circle may not even be aware that they have anything because they're out of sight, out of mind. So the pathophysiology of a venous leg ulcer is complex, There's usually a number of different factors that are networking um, together to to lead to um, a wound in in the first place and and, and secondarily uh, making them um, go into the chronic state. As it relates to venous leg ulcers, the the number one uh, pathophysiologic um, underpinning, so to speak, is actually uh, venous leg hypertension. So... um, you know our bodies uh, our, our circulatory system in our lower limbs essentially there's two main components there's the arteries which deliver blood to the to the limb and then there's the venous system which which drains the um, the blood back and returns it to the heart the the arteries obviously are an active system they're under the influence of the heart the the veins return the blood to the heart but the veins are a passive system they rely on the uh, the um, muscular capacity and muscular pumping of of principally the the lower limb muscles especially the calf muscles to pump uh you know fluids back to the, towards the heart one of our major enemies uh in during our lifetime is is actually gravity yeah. so you know, gravity uh mitigates against uh venous return to to the heart and um and you know as we age our, our muscles become less and less um you know Potent, and um, and, uh, and and and
1: uh, and we sit down more, right? Like the, it seems like there's gravity, but it's exacerbated by our increasingly sedentary lifestyle. Which, as generally people get older, they spend yeah. more time on their bum, basically.
0: So, so true. And, and when we're sitting down, actually, our legs are are are, are on the ground, and 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 uh, gravity is acting on it. So, as as edema develops, edema is is um, excessive fluids within the interstitial spaces of the integument. They start to, to um, swell the, the tissues. and if a person was to experience a small knock on their leg, you know bumping into a, a piece of furniture or, or a, you know a shopping cart somebody runs into your leg with a shopping cart all of a sudden or, or sometimes people just uh, develop an itch on their leg and they start scratching and uh, they, they get a little over exuberant and they, they create a wound themselves with their with their nails. And, and, that, and then, you know, they're off to the races. Then, then the wound, you know, there's a breach in the integument. And um, the moment you develop a breach, then bacteria start to uh, do their thing and, uh, and, and start to cause tissue necrosis and uh, further invasion. And then, and then, you know, the real problems starts. Then you develop infections. Uh, and uh, the infections can be local infections, but they can also extend into the bloodstream, and 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 then people get into a lot of trouble. Well, so, things you know,
1: like sepsis and stuff like that. You mean potentially? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and then we have to realize that there's other factors too. That's the principal patho pathophysiologic um, reason for developing a leg ulcer. But then there's concomitant things. As we age, our arterial supply is reduced. So. So then you start off with one major issue, and then it's made worse by the fact that your peripheral circulation is decreased, so you're not able to deliver wound healing blood to the the wound bed that's going to promote healing as we age. our immune system and our immune competency goes down mm-hmm. um, our our ability to you know to to heal generally declines as 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 we age, so there's a whole bunch of factors. Mm. And, um, and, and then when, you know, the wound itself causes pain, usually, and wound pain actually inhibits wound healing. When you're in pain, you know, you're in pain, your, your body, you know, goes into a state of, 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 of contraction, spasticity. Your blood vessels actually squeeze down when you're in pain. What does that do to a wound? That translates into less circulation to the wound bed periwound peri-wound tissues, which, again, inhibits um, uh, uh, wound healing. And, and when we're in pain, also, we create a chemical milieu in our bodies that is catabolic, which, again, is inhibitory to the normal healing processes. So there, there's so many different dimensions. Um, and then when a person has a wound, you're no longer, you know, you're not going to work. And as a result of not going to work, your, your body comes becomes deconditioned you also may become depressed and, and, you know, depression can also, you know, one's mental state also impacts negatively on your global health and on and on and on, and it becomes a snowball effect.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, um, I think particularly with the elderly, there's that kind of crucial stage where remaining independent and active is really important to their kind of confidence and, you know, obviously general quality of life. And there's that point in time, if that gets stopped for a period of months, then that's the beginning of the decline, basically. And I think it's quite hard to come back from that. That's kind of what I've observed.
0: Absolutely, yes, no, no, that's quite right. So it's important, Mary, to. So first of all, you make the diagnosis. You need to. So, you know, I've been in practice a long time, and one of the one of the one of the things I've learned principally is, in order to achieve good outcomes in terms of, uh, you know, healing and and such, you need to make the correct diagnosis. So step number one is making the correct diagnosis. And once you make the correct diagnosis, you need to try to heal the wound as soon as possible before it gets, you know, into further chronic states, before it can lead to further necrosis and onwards.
1: So so what until now has been the standard course of
0: treatment for, for situations with patients with leg ulcers? Yep, yeah, So good question. The standard, the gold standard is compression therapy. Yeah. But, even, but even with compression therapy, Mary, um, you know, uh, three to six months after optimized compression therapy, only about 30 to 40 percent of patients heal.
1: Really? OK. So my brother is actually in the end stage of compression therapy at the moment.
0: Right. So, so if you take 100. So if, t- if today um, there are 100 new venous leg ulcers and all of them get the standard of care, which is compression bandaging, mm. you know, less than 40% will be healed at three months. What does that tell you? We yeah. need to look beyond compression therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, the, the the balance of those patients will go on to chronicity. Many can go on, God forbid, um, you know, to amputations, to, to death, yeah. to sepsis, yeah. and so on. So we need to be very proactive. Yes, the standard of care is such compression bandaging, Mm -hmm. but clearly, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. That's why we need to look at additional therapies over and above, over and above. And and, you know, that study that I recently published um, shows exactly that. The patients that I recruited in that small cohort were actually the failures. They were in that 60% category that didn't heal despite compression therapy. And the addition of my therapies, my inventions and innovations to standard compression therapy brought them to healing.
1: Fantastic. Well, let, let's get on to that now because I think it, it's so exciting. Um, so, first of all, what brought you to the, the <laughs> to, you know, investigate the possibility that cannabis-based medicines could have some helpful role in healing these types of wounds?
0: So, so it's a long story. I'm a palliative medicine specialist. That's my my principal specialty. And plus, uh, by virtue of of, uh, living and working in Canada, which is one of of the first countries in the world to to, uh, legalize medical cannabis, um, I've had decades of experience with with using cannabis and cannabis based medicines in in a whole range of medical maladies, all the way from cancer to multiple sclerosis uh, to chronic pain. Uh, Etc. So I I, I'm, I have over 25 years experience in healthcare using cannabis and cannabis based medicines, um, in, in 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 a wide range of, of medical scenarios. So that's that's one issue. And and so what led me down the path to put cannabis and integument together was when when I um, started doing full time palliative medicine. I realized that most of my patients had wounds. And yet, as a physician, when I went to medical school at the University of Toronto, there was zero curricula on on wounds. We had nothing on wounds. Wounds were, we were taught in medical school, we were socialized to think, well, wounds are a nursing issue, you know, you know, a la, a la Florence Nightingale, you know, like, you know, do- doctors don't need to know about wounds because we've got our nursing colleagues. Yeah. Who are My
1: brother d- hasn't been seen by a doctor. It's all been Yeah, yeah because
0: most- <laughs> doctors don't know a thing about wounds and it's not their fault there's no education there is no education even you know almost 40 years later uh, at the University of Toronto maybe there's I think one token lecture one hour lecture on wounds and that's it and that's shameful because wounds are a massive problem so there's a huge education gap that needs to be addressed so again going back to my 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 story um, I, I started seeing so many wounds in my palliative medicine practice and I was completely unequipped, completely unequipped in terms of how to deal with them. So that led me to do a master's degree at the uh, Dalhousie School of Public Health in Toronto. And uh, it was during that um, master's program, one of my research projects was looking at the preclinical data that relates um, cannabis elements, you know, uh, the flavonoids, the terpenes and the cannabinoids in relation to integument and wound. And, and 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 because I, I, I was living and working in a country like Canada where the legalization pathway was evolving uh, I, um, I, I it was one of one of those epiphany moments I realized that there was a potential to to use uh, cannabis and the elements of cannabis in in the arena of integument and wound and um, so that's when I started uh, um Utilizing these things and these these agents and these uh, methods uh, in in the, the intractable patients that uh, that I see, and fortunately, I also uh, have a tertiary wound clinic at the hospital I work at, and so I'm seeing the the worst of the worst in Toronto, the worst wounds in, in the Toronto area. I come to me, so everyone else's failures come to me. I'm so
1: really, it's like I have so much compassion for your patients because it's there's some nasty nasty wounds going on. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, no, truly. And so, so my 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 wound practice, my consultative wound practice, was the, the perfect environment to 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 try to innovate something that that hopefully would improve the currently unsatisfactory status quo. So you know, I recruited the worst of the worst, and I was able to heal the worst of the worst, which makes me think: if I'm able to heal the worst of the worst, imagine what I could do for everyday yeah. garden yeah. wounds.
1: And what for? Because you've you've created, you know, you've patented. Um... Uh, a particular kind of mixture of cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids, right so how did you come up with your particular proprietary um kind of blend as it were
0: well, it was based on the the um, the metasynthesis that I did looking at all of the various uh, looking looking at all of the main um, uh, chemical families that are, that exist in the cannabis plant so there there's abundant uh, evidence, um, preclinical data, etc., that shows that not only the cannabinoids are useful for integument and wound, but also the terpenes and flavonoids. So it was uh, essentially that metasynthesis that I carried out. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was led me to use the combinations. I mean, we there's there's so many new um, papers being um, <laughs> being uh, published these days. In fact. I've been asked to peer review them. Uh, like last week, I did one peer review, and I have one sitting on my desk today, which I'm going to complete. So the, the world is starting to realize the value of uh, of, of 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 what. Uh, I, in in fact, a lot of these papers that are being public are being submitted for publication are essentially validating what I've what I've known for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, they're focusing just on CBD. But um, CBD is an important element, but I, I think there's more to the, there's more to add to the CBD, namely the terpenes and also the flavonoids. So I think combining those three main families has even a greater potential to improve the, the currently unsatisfactory status quo beyond just CBD alone.
1: And you have some THC, right, in your in your particular patient? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In, in certain combinations, there's THC. There's also THCA, mm-hmm. which acid form, which which has incredible potential as well, because uh, it has the potential to act intracellularly uh, at, uh, at uh, nuclear receptors such as PPAR, etc. Mm. So, yeah, so it's about the combination of, of different um, molecular uh, units and, and families yeah. that that synergy to that so-called entourage effect, that potentiation. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, but, but even CBD
0: alone is good. I mean, CBD alone is is better than nothing at all. Sure. Um, adding to CBD these other things, you really bring it to the next level.
1: Yeah. Well, let's hear about the your findings then, because you've done on your on your patients in your tertiary clinic, I guess, various open label studies, right? So they know what they're getting. It's not the kind of yes. double blind placebo yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, model at the moment. So what 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 have you what have you seen in your patients?
0: Well, um, not just just uh, wound closure of previously non non closing wounds, but also relief of pain. Um, and you know it, it's it's striking, uh, and, and I believe that the relief of pain is is related to two factors. One, um, when a wound is closing, obviously that's going to lead to pain relief. But also there's direct effects too, because you know the moment you apply these these topical agents to the wound bed and also to the peri wound and that's also part of of what i've innovated is the the previous paradigm I, I referred to the previous paradigm that's guided us for the past 25 years it's called the wound bed prep paradigm all that does is focus on the whole you know the, the right.
1: and so the peri wound is around the wound right yes, yes. yeah, and yeah. If if that's not- got to be in good condition right if you're going to get your yes, the proper that's- healing yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, yes, because otherwise, if the peri wound is is diseased and sick and has all sorts of other, you know, issues, you know, uh, hypoxia, acidosis, etc., inflammation, and if you talk to a wound patient, they will clearly describe the pain not just in the in the hole, but also in the surrounding tissue.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So my paradigm, and and, you know, part of my embodied within my intellectual property is also the fact that we're applying the various combinations, not just to the bed, but to the peri wound as well. And that's really the key, because by improving the health of a peri wound, we promote wound healing and wound yeah. closure, because we're, we're you know, we're, the peri wound is at risk of deterioration. So if you don't correct the underlying pathophysiology of the peri wound, mm-hmm. you know, so, so my goal is to, you know, depose of that old paradigm and introduce a new paradigm not just involving cannabis-based medicines to the wound bed, but to the peri wound.
1: And I think it's interesting as so well, what you were saying about the pain side of things, because I, this is, not, I think, generally the message with cannabinoids that, um, you know, you, you, it's like kind a of double whammy, isn't it? Not only are you helping the healing process, but you're also having an analgesic effect from the same um, Medication, let's say, and that—and I don't think that happens normally. I was, you know, sort of when I was doing my research. You might have some kind of topical uh, opioid in some cases. Now, that's not necessarily going to help with the healing. It's just going to help with the pain. So here, you know, the thing is doing is working on multiple levels. So it's got to be yeah. a kind of physician's dream, right?
0: Yes, and, and furthermore, Mary, um, uh, there's data that shows that um, opioids inhibit wound healing.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: And, um, you know, 70% of patients with wounds are using opioids, and that's a scary prospect because that translates into reduced wound healing, yeah. and also it promotes, you know, the, the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm.
1: If, you,
0: if you were to analyze, you know, people on opioids, you know, and in, in people who are, who are having problematic opioid consumption, many of them have wounds, and um, and wounds are inhibitory. And also wounds are, are the, the leading source of... of um, Overuse of antibiotics and therefore the uh, the, the driving upwards of antibiotic resistant superbugs because physicians in general all they do for wounds is put them on antibiotics mm-hmm. and most it's, of the time they don't it, need antibiotics.
1: Yeah, and, and interestingly, with um, well, I thought there's some, another area of research with, with certain cannabinoids is that whether they actually have a, an antibacterial or could be an alternative to antibiotics. So again, you know, it's the sort of working on multiple mechanisms the you know, they're the anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antibiotic, and analgesic. Sure. It's, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's it's fantastic. So, what overall? What have been your findings?
0: Um, in- incredible healing um, of, of previously non-healing wounds. In my overall um, phase one trial, up to 90% of people completely closed. Yeah. And, and, and those that didn't heal, um, they, they didn't close completely, were people who uh, either were, you know, they moved away from the city and they were lost to follow up or a couple of them that actually died. One, one died of a car accident and another died of their underlying cancer and so on. So, so my, my, my healing rates were, were just, you know, incredibly promising. And these were all old, sick patients. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't recruit healthy people. I healed complex mm-hmm. wounds in complex patients wow. so another i set the bar incredibly high and the reason for that was i self-funded my mm-hmm. my uh, my uh, my phase one so it didn't make sense for me to, to to you know go to the local um beach and recruit you know uh 50 uh, you know 20 year olds who are healthy and so on <laughs> who have sunburns they're going to heal regardless i took the worst of the worst mm-hmm. oh sick patients with wounds that that failed previously from a to z so i set the bar incredibly high and by interpolation i believe that if i'm able to heal this level of complexity imagine what i can do for everything else yeah and so that, that that's you know I'm, I'm very excited um now we need to move forward to um to you know phase two and phase three uh, i have signed a letter of intent with a with an international biotech company and and hopefully, um, you know, things will will come to to complete um, closing, and uh, and we'll move forward. and And I and I think this is gonna, I think this is gonna be my little contribution to the world, because I really think that um, this is going to improve things uh, for for millions of patients worldwide.
1: I mean, it sounds it sounds so exciting. It's you know, it's it's and it's an area that's so well as, as we were kind of discussing in the beginning no one talks about leg ulcers full stop and certainly not in the kind of the field of cannabinoid medicine, but, um, um, just before we, we, we finished just to sort of think about the mechanisms of action. So I, I was reading, um, that great article in Forbes um, magazine and it was talking about, um, so you have to, well, you can probably, well, you will describe it, explain it better than me so that cannabinoids, are lipo. Yeah, so if you can explain that and wounds, so they're the kind of the perfect match, basically.
0: Right, so the the wound bed, so the surface of our skin is is relatively intact integument for, and whether it's mucous membranes or cutaneous membranes, is relatively impervious. You don't get much absorption through intact integument. But when you have a wound, you don't have the epidermis, and you know, the various um, molecular families can penetrate much quicker through. An open wound bed, but also, um, you know, in order to 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 uh, convey those molecules through intact skin, you need to use uh, you know carrier um, technologies like liposomes, ectosomes, uh, PLO, etc. To that bind those molecular families and transmit it into the peri wound. So as it relates to a wound bed, a wound bed is relatively lipophilic, and and, and that's actually one of the the um, the, the epiphany moments that I had around, you know, my early thinking ab- about um, using cannabis in wounds was the notion that cannabinoids principally are lipophilic.
1: So they like fat, the lipophilic yeah. in basic terms, like oil fat type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is lipophilic because yeah. there's often, you know, fat and other tissues. I mean, it's also, it's both lipophilic and hydrophilic as well. So mm-hmm. it's the perfect environment for cannabinoids to be, deployed and, and uh, utilized within that type of uh, yeah.
1: And yeah. I guess also penetrate the endocannabinoid system, find the odds receptor here and there they can bind with.
0: Mm. Right, and that's not a difficult thing, Mary, because um, uh, endocannabinoid elements are everywhere in our body from head to toe, so they don't have to search very far at all. Right. They're find yeah. them everywhere. And once they get absorbed into cells, they're gonna hit the intracellular receptors. Mm -hmm. And bear in mind that the endocannabinoid system goes beyond just the classic CB1, CB2. You know, the the basic science uh, behind the endocannabinoid system is such that we now have a whole range of of receptors and signaling systems that cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids can actually act on. Mm -hmm. And and the interactions are not just singular. They're, They're often Collaborative, so that many interactions are collaborative between the cannabinoids, the terpenes, and the flavonoids. There's that potentiation. There's that interaction, uh, recruitment of effects. Um, So we're just scratching the surface, but but I really believe, I I really believe that there's incredible potential. It needs a lot of work, and and you know if if I've accomplished so so this is the way I see it, Mary. If if I've just it's you know we have the Olympics going on in in, in in Tokyo at the moment as we speak, and it makes me think metaphorically of, of what you know what my mission is. My mission is like the the first person in the marathon you know I, I, the, the 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 fellow with the uh, the person with the the uh, starting gun shoots the thing, so I've started the race and I'm going to s- sprint down the the track, and then ultimately I need to hand off to others who are going to take the marathon forward further. And that's and and if nothing else, that's my role. That's my mission. I've started the marathon. I'm going to be handing off my baton to others who are going to take this to the finish line. And I think the finish line is going to yield incredible opportunities for the world of integument and wound. And, you know, I, th- I think it's apropos, given uh, our, our current Olympics.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would love to think um, in, I don't know, Maybe five years' time, however long it takes that you know when when someone goes along to their to have their their wound dressed and treated by their by their nurse in their in their you know their in their doctor's practice that you know there is a you know a cannabinoid based uh, treatment that's just you know that's just used and there's no big fuss it's just you know that's kind of what what the data shows is the most effective alongside I guess compression treatment and that's it you know <laughs> and you know that that would that will you know I think that from what you say I think that's coming and um, you know and I'm I'm so grateful for, for future uh, people with wounds that are hopefully going to you know receive that treatment and, and not suffer so much needlessly and and you know, be able to get literally get back on their feet again. You
0: know, well, that's what it's all about. It's about getting your life back on track, uh, not suffering. You know, having quality of life, having functionality, um, returning to work, uh, etc. All of all of those things. I mean, there's benefits for for the patient, patient's family, for society, for the healthcare system. There's so many positive um, ramifications in terms of getting a wound closed. It goes beyond just the wound itself. You know, there's there's so many dimensions, and uh, and, and and as I said, currently, not to sound critical, and and notwithstanding COVID nineteen, integument in wound is the area of healthcare with the worst outcome measures. And yet, when you look at the expenditures, massive expenditures. The United States spends up upwards of eighty billion dollars a year on wounds, and most of that I can I can submit to you is in vain. Most of it is just silly dressings that do nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: The underlying pathophysiology, whereas what I'm working on actually addresses underlying pathophysiology, and that's what what's super exciting about what I'm doing is I'm addressing you know the the root cause. I'm not just a plopping on useless cosmetic dressings,
1: yeah. which it's cost. Literally, of dollars. It's literally, you know, we talk about using a band aid metaphorically. And yes. that that's what's been happening, literally with, with wounds. And uh, and you know, rather than getting the, the root cause, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Thank yeah. you for joining me at this early hour today. but
0: I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really uh, honoured by the opportunity.
1: Thank you for listening to Cannabis Voices. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with your family and friends.